I got a question for you. What's that? So, why? Why as an adult, is there still those times where you have to sprint to the bathroom? <laughs> I think it's happened to me more since I've been an adult, if anything. Uh, yes. And I don't understand. You'd think like, okay, you know, past being a kid, that wouldn't happen again. But I've noticed it's just like you said, it happens more and more. And like today, the end of our training session, I was working out with Adeline again. It was uh, the second to last exercise. And I was sitting there, I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, and it was one of those moments. Yeah, it was like toward the end. And I'm like, man, how does this still happen? You know, <laughs> like you, th you think that would go away when you were a kid where there's those those moments where you have to sprint to, to the bathroom, you know? Um, yeah, no, I definitely do. I, I most recently, my most recent experience with that was working retail. Um, I would, I was working the cheese counter at, um, at a Whole Foods and, uh, and you know, you have to, you have to get through a certain amount. Your whole job is like the cheese cutter is like, you have a big, these big blocks of cheese you spend all day cutting and you have to get a certain amount done. You're like, you have your quota or whatever. So like, because you have this quota and because like there's a rhyme and a reason to the way that you cut cheese, you'd be like, all right, I got to get, I got to get to this point before I get a break. Right. Or before I go run off. And then like every time I swear, I swear, like, like so often it would be like, okay, I've got like two, two or three wheels left to cut, like two wheels left to cut and I've got to go but I can make it. And then by the time, like I'm on the last couple pieces, I'm just like, you know, uh, uh, not only ready to have an accident, um, but ready to like full on freak out, like emotionally about it. <laughs> like, At that point, it's a gamble that last wheel of cheese. It's kind of a gamble for you. huh? <laughs> well, dude, okay. The real gamble at, at this point was that, um, the, in this whole foods is it's, it's one of the biggest whole foods in the area. And, um, so 200 something employees, uh, you know, 100, 100, 100 to 125 probably there at any given time. Right. Uh, and um, two bathrooms. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh... So two two single use bathrooms, not like the bathrooms where you can like open them up. Oh, they, they like a male and a female. There's there's two bathrooms, two behind the you know behind the in the back bathrooms for this many people granted there is in a there is a public bathroom as well um so there is a couple more toilets but the idea is that if there's only two here your chances are you're going to run to the back it's going to be used it's going to be occupied so you run to the front of course only because you went to the back first now the public is using the front and there's only one toilet so if you got to do if you got to do the do like you better hope that so there's only three places where you can do number two in the entire place that has at any given time three three to four hundred people in it, based you know employees and customers. Yeah, it was, and so you can imagine if you that 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 timing game of trying to finish the cheese, you know, and shortening the amount of time that I might have a buffer time to not um, have an accident. Uh, it was a real close call, lots of times. And like again, as you said, like I did this. This was like a year ago you know what i mean like i'm i was in my i i, I turned 30 and was having this problem <laughs> or, or or a question i have too that i'll never understand why is it when you really have to go bathrooms are out of order i feel like that happens Always. like when you have to pull over somewhere when you're driving maybe you're on a trip or something the bathrooms are always out of order and i've seen it for me it's been like 
you pull up somewhere, the bathroom's out of order. You drive across the street, bathroom's out of order. I've literally had that to where two or three bathrooms have been out of order. And it always happens. Well, and so the funny thing is, you and I really have the least complaints um, that we can because I know uh, over the years, uh, my the, whatever female friends or companions or whatever you know people I have around me, they always have it way worse because it's like at least if worst comes to worse, we can find an empty road, a secluded you know area where you know, and don't get me wrong, you can still get arrested and have you know it's not like you should be peeing in public, but like you you know, worst comes to worse, you can find uh, you know a forest. <laughs> it might be a okay, forest in a park, but yeah, yeah. But well, uh, let's be real, like every time. guy likes doing that better anyway. <laughs> like, it's can natural. we be honest? Like, it, it's true. Like. Like in the in the middle of the, the wilderness i mean i'm dude cops do that too like let's let's be real like you if you're it, in the right? middle of nowhere like it's it. gonna happen totally yeah yeah do you do you have any peeing in your pants stories oh my god <laughs> from, um, from your adult life or or you know, before your adult life probably any most of my peeing my pants as an, as an adult story they're gonna be some stuff like for much what i just said because i that was that happened a lot um i uh i i did no, yeah, I guess that's not. I was going to try to make a story out of nothing. I did kind of <laughs> almost one time. Yeah. Well, I, I have to share my story with you then. I have mm-hmm. to. I don't think I've ever told you this one either. You're, you're going to like this one. So I was, I think I was a young teenager. I don't know, maybe 12. Who, who knows? But anyways, me and a few friends, we go to this park and there was this old overhang. It was made out of wood and it was, I don't know, 12 to 15 feet in the air. And the overhang was right above the sand. So we figured, you know, we could climb up to the top of this overhang, jump up, jump off, excuse me, and land in the sand. It was just a lot of fun, just stupid stuff we did, right? Mm. And so we had a new friend with us that day that wanted to to jump off. Um, but she she was not able, you oh, know, to no. fully climb up there by herself. Oh. And so <laughs> sorry. So <laughs> um so we helped lift her up and then I don't know exactly what happened, but I started laughing and I let go and, oh, no. and our friend was holding on to this overhang and dangling, oh. just dangling in the air. And that moment and for probably the next five minutes was the hardest I ever laughed in my life. We looked up and our friend is just dang her feet are just dangling like this in the air and she's just stuck and we don't know what to do. And I rolled over and I was laughing so hard I literally peed my pants. Oh my god! It happened. So hardest, anyway. I've, hardest I've ever laughed in my entire life. Okay, wait. So, so you're you're <laughs> you you peed your pants at this point. You're I'd imagine you're still laughing. So some some kind of leftover laughing. Is she? Did how'd she get down? <laughs> like how does that, what is she? I I'm trying to remember like if we ran up there after and then like gave her a boost or i I can't i can't remember remember to to be honest but i i just got triggered seeing the dangling legs from this Mm. overhang and then i i just lost it and then like especially when i was younger i would have these like laughing attacks like i would get to a certain point and i wouldn't be able to stop laughing Mm -hmm. and it happened in school a couple times as a kid and it like my teachers actually kicked me out of class like that (laughs) happened um multiple times in middle school so not like I, I had like a laughing attack. What what was that? Not Mrs. Ketwig. She didn't kick you out of class. I'm not bitter. You're bitter. I'm not my, bitter. My You're BFF. Bitter. <laughs> uh, for those of you who um, l- listened to the first one I was on, we talked about Mrs. Ketwig, who was our 
uh, fourth grade teacher. This was when, right, fourth grade, right? That was when. Yeah. It must have been. Did we maybe? Did we know each other before that? Or that's when I remember, like, really, like, meeting and getting to know you. We might have known each other before that, but I feel like that was the first time I really yeah. spent time with you. Yeah, that sounds, she, that sounds right. She loved Jake and she hated me. And that's Dude, the I, story, pretty much. <laughs> I and I have no idea why either. I wasn't some oh, like good why. kid. No, you know why? It's because why? you have familial connections to her profession. Uh, well, I don't even know if she knew that. Actually, maybe yeah, she. she did. I don't know because yeah, my stepdad, did. you know, was in like worked for the school district a lot mm-hmm. of his life. So I don't know. Maybe maybe that's why. I, I don't no know idea. if that's really why, but I that's what I always told myself as a kid. I was like, well, this. More. And yeah. to be fair, um, actually, I think I came to that conclusion after my sister went through the same school program. So my sister's was born in 2001. I'm born in 89. So, I mean, where it says it's actually 11 years because it's like 11 months. Um, and she, so she went through the same teachers and um, there, there was a consensus even amongst that um, group of kids that, that she was wildly inconsistent with her kids, depending on um, whether she liked them, basically. So maybe she just liked you better. But um, for the rest of the life of this podcast, so for years, Jake, I'm going to keep bringing this up. <laughs> You're gonna yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do an episode on just Miss Ketwig. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny because in my mind, I just, we just, I just like future tripped and like we're already interviewing her. And I'm like, like I like I like my throat like closed up. I'm like, oh, I don't even know what I would say to Mrs. Kenwig. Like I've been talking shit for years behind the scenes, and now she's like, she might hear this and be like, well, you know, you were a little asshole. Dude, I, I'm gonna ask her on the show now. That'll be so fun to see you uncomfortable, and then I'll just be best friends with her the whole time. I, I would be so awkward. You guys ever want to see me totally like clam up and like not know what to say? Like just put me I in do. Front of somebody like that. I want to see it. <laughs> yeah, I want to see. That'll be great. That would be super fair because um I. I think I told you, I told you off air that one of the things that I really want to do together when we get together to do um, videos and stuff is I want to get you to play that video fitness video game. Um, mm-hmm. So if I, if I'm going to try to get you to play a video game, it's only fair that I consider talking to somebody that makes me want to peel the skin off my face because I feel like that's how you feel about video games. So <laughs> that's fair. I cannot believe speaking of video games, I can't believe I didn't tell you this. So you obviously know I'm not a gamer, um, when I was visiting, remember I was visiting family like a mm-hmm. week or two ago. Yeah. So, anyways, they were playing. So, yeah. um, the this would be my sister's nephew, so he was playing. Um, I think he was playing Madden. And then he was playing this baseball game, right? Mm-hmm. He asked me to play, and I said no. I said no, I'm not playing. <laughs> then the whole family pressured me, including <laughs> my sister, right? And your sister being, who knows who hates video games. Yeah. And so we love to talk crap to each other and be competitive and all that. Right. And she, I don't know if she like called me out, but she's like, just do it or something. So I was like, fine. So I played, I played this, this, this base. It was like a home run derby, like type of baseball game or whatever. And I was so terrible, dude. Like they gave me a couple practice rounds and they like during, during the course of their turn, which would be a couple minutes, you know, each, they were hitting 20 to 25 home runs. During the, and I think my best round, I only played a couple, it was like four or five. Like, I was so bad. And I'm like, this is probably why I don't play video games. <laughs> so, I'd imagine because you were with 
family and especially young kids, you were probably somewhat, you know, all right. You know, I'm sure you were still like, ah, but like you were probably like I, in my mind, feel like how you responded to them is probably the exact opposite of how you would have responded to us back in the day trying to get you to play video games is that fair to say like because i maybe, feel like i mean maybe it's well, definitely possible i feel like with them you probably been like oh you know i don't want to do this anymore because whatever you know and with us you would have been like guys you would have been like like yelling at us to like go outside and play football <laughs> yeah i I, I'll be honest, I didn't fight it much. I, I said, no, I don't want to play, like, multiple times. I was like, yeah. you, you, like everyone else just play. I'll just chill or do something else. But everyone was like, oh, no, you have to play. So I was like, whatever, I'm not going not gonna to even fight anymore. <laughs> but we did play football, though, and I got to talk nice. tons of crap, especially to my sister. <laughs> um, a little bit to my brother-in-law, but mainly to my sister. Like, we were playing this game um, in the backyard, and we would have a trash can set up, like, across the – you know, on the other side of the grass. So it was basically like we're, we're throwing the football, seeing who can make it in the trash can. So there was plenty of trash talking during that game too. So I was really happy. I got to, you know, um, make faces at my little sister. So that was great. That's great. Yeah. It's a good time. One of the things that I'm looking forward to, I know um, we're going to be talking sometime soon about, um, you know, getting Andrew on boarded. But one, that's one of the things I'm really excited about once he's here is I feel like, there's gonna be a very natural kind of like we're right now with just you and me. It's super fun and we enjoy in conversation, but it's really just like you and I are hanging out, right? Once you get Andrew in here, it's gonna be there's his. I feel like the shenanigans floor is gonna be raised. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, there's gonna be so many shenanigans. And w- whenever there's like stuff that I know we're gonna do for the future with Mission Driven Made, mm. I never know like you know should I say this on the podcast or not? And one reason being like. I know it, it looks really bad. Say you say something and then you don't follow through with it, right? Right. So like I, I'm always like, I don't know. Like, does you know, do all of you guys want to hear like the the future plans, or do you just want to know like the day before? I never know because I get really excited about stuff. Obviously, we had that conversation yesterday about all, you know, some of our new plans going forward. So I'm like, man, I want to. I just like what I want to do is get on the podcast and just say every you know little mm-hmm. detail. But you know, you we have brought it up before, and um, we are excited. We're going to get a producer on here, uh, which is one of our you know oldest and closest friends. Um, so we're really excited for when that happens. We don't have a date yet. Um, there's a, a lot of details that you know go into that, but we're really excited to get a producer on here, and he's a, a really good smack talker. Um, <laughs> so th- that's what I'm most excited about uh, he's to have him on. So he's a smack talker, and he's also a Raiders fan. So it's going to be rough. Um, for me, uh, moving forward, you know, football wise, cause I'm going to have both you guys, although maybe not considering the way that this, well, I don't know, we're not going to get into football that's all everything, but idea is going to be, uh, I f- think I'm going to get teamed up on. <laughs> oh, you football. will. <laughs> I can't wait. Ne- especially, um, <laughs> next or this season coming up for sure. But you, you have a, you know, a good five months or something until a lot of smack talking happens. So you're good for right now. <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, so. I, I, I do at the, as at the, um, you know, hesitating to talk anything football more. I am looking forward to talking football with you post the Super Bowl, which is coming up very soon. Yeah. Um, I yep. think by the time you guys are listening to this, it will be just a couple of days away. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. It'll be this when one... this episode comes out, it'll be three days away. I okay, believe this one comes we'll out on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yep. 
so well, that that will that'll be fun. But I know we I feel like I tell the listeners or one of us does every week, oh, we're not gonna talk about football this week, but then we kind of talk about it anyway. We both do that. <laughs> I know. And we I feel like like half the time too, we're just like 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 the conversation isn't even about football. We're just like saying we're not gonna talk about football. <laughs> and then we kind of talk about it just a little bit. <laughs> it's our excuse to talk about football. <laughs> yeah. But anyways though, I want to make sure I asked you today how How's uh, your precision nutrition course going? And then, guys, for for those of you that don't know what precision nutrition is, it is a nutrition education company, and it's the number one rated one in the entire world. And it's an awesome course. So you go, most people go through to become a nutrition coach. That would be the official title. I got to go through a couple years ago, and I learned a ton. Um, so yeah, just a quick backstory with precision. But what do you think so far, dude, of uh, of the course? Oh no, I'm stoked on it. I'm uh, so I got it for those of you watching. Oh, there it is. Nice. I don't know why. I just want to say Biog. You remember that politician like 15 years back? And then we're gonna go to Denver. And... Oh, Dave no. Chappelle had a whole bit about it. Anyway, I have no idea. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there's somebody who's gonna be listening who is like in their car right now going. Because <laughs> somebody's, you know, I think uh, John John Edwards, I think was his. No, 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 no. That was that was somebody else. Howard I have Dean no Howard. Idea. He was a Democrat that ran like you know 10, 10, 15 years ago, and he was doing really yeah. well. And then he had like one one um, rally where he was just like super jacked up, and he was like, "Then we're gonna go to Washington." And he was like, "Yeah." He's like just stoked on it, but it went viral. And so like this guy who was like very much in the front running of for uh, the Democratic uh, pick for president lost his entire bid because of that one like excited moment. Oh, my well, gosh. When we're off, remind me because I'll I'll uh, I'll pull it up so you can see it. Um, viewers will will put it on the discord uh, for anyone who wants to watch it. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> okay, though, so, so that sounds was my good. my tangent about being excited about the precision precision nutrition curriculum um, as somebody who's been training act, you know, training. A diverse. Pool of clients for a number of years now. One of the questions that I'm asked more often, most often, is what is what should I be eating, uh, and it's asked in a lot of different ways. But while the answer is, while there's always ultimately a bottom line answer, um, it can be a little bit nuanced. So um, when you're as a trainer, as a personal trainer, asked to talk about nutrition, there's a lot of pitfalls. There's a lot of ways to um, overstep your bounds and say things that you're not really qualified to say. Uh, so here's where the precision, for me, the precision nutrition certification comes in, in into play. Uh, once I once I complete the certification, I'll be able to speak um, as a nutrition coach, as Jake just said. Um, funny thing is my experience thus far has been, has been really encouraging because while there's definitely science and stuff that, you know, I have to go and I've got to learn and stuff I didn't know about the, um, you know, specifics of, uh, metabolism, you know, for example, um, broad strokes, it's, it's a lot of review I'm finding, which is really nice when you're going into a pretty complex, um, subject, right? Um, I was very lucky in my, <clears throat> when I was getting my undergrad in psychology um i had really nice options for electives um, that were based in 
I can't remember if it was like, I think one of them was like a intro to kinesiology. You know, there's like stuff like that. It's all elective intro stuff. Um, but being a biological, being, being a science and a biologic, you know, they do, it is a biologically based science because they do measure biologic, you know, you know, you know, I lost my train. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Um, I'm just stoked to be be able to now speak to this at a different level because I I couldn't before as much as I might have had the knowledge. I didn't feel comfortable speaking as to nutrition in any specificity because it was outside my purview. So even though now once I get my certification, it's not like you know I learned a bunch of new stuff I didn't necessarily know before. Honestly, a lot of it's just from sitting and studying and talking to you and stuff, um, and you know experience, right? Um, but certainly the confidence that's going to come with now knowing that I'm properly, not only properly educated, but that I have the right idea, you know, generally going into it, you know, it's, it, I feel like is definitely going to equip me to um, help people a lot more. So hopefully that value is going to be extended to you guys on, on the podcast as well. Yeah. And like you're saying too, it's so hard with that fine line with, the role of what a diet, a registered dietitian can do mm-hmm. versus someone that's a nutrition coach, because it is completely different. And that line does get a little blurry from, you know, what those two do. And like we talked about before, like if someone has a particular condition or disease, and then a trainer that isn't a registered dietitian gives them meal plans, you're starting to really overstep there. That's where it's a, a little bit gray because it's like what you're doing is it to try to help treat or cure that disease? At that point, it's completely out of that person's scope. You know, there, there's there's no question there. So and illegal, um, depending on where you're at. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but the the course though, I thought the the course was amazing. I told you when I started going through it though, I I thought like, man, this is like, it's not that I rolled my eyes necessarily. It was. I felt as though it was too soft. Like there were so many things based on people's emotions and their psychology. And part of me is like, dude, just like if someone wants to diet, just do it. If someone wants to get, just yeah. do it, you know? And then I, I did start to really realize, you know, it's been proven through data. The way they're teaching it is the way to go. Cause they, yep. they go. So, I mean, of course they go, you know, pretty deep into like protein, carbohydrate and fat metabolism and um, you know, the physiology behind that, they definitely do it, but they go just as deep with all the psychology aspects and, you know, improving behaviors. And then as I've been learning this over the years, it's starting to really, or I'm starting to really understand, like, that's the important part. I mean, it's all important, but understanding human behavior and coaching someone in that sense, how important it is. So I think precision does a fantastic job. Uh, doing that so you you said you have like what half the course to go or so roughly like i'm about 40 percent uh right now um but i jammed that out pretty quick um i was i was procrastinating i always want to say procrastinating that's not the right word <laughs> i was uh i procrastinated for a long time and so finally when i got to it i was just like all right let's open it and of course once i got into it i was like oh it's like it was really intimidating up front because it's a lot of science right at the front but like, you know, it's one of those things where you get into it. Once you're in it, it's like, it's not that bad. You just have to bear through a lot of technical language a little bit for a minute, you know? Um, so besides that, yeah, I mean, I'm really, I'm enjoying it. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing if 
I don't want to sound like this. Believe me, this doesn't come from a place of arrogance or cockiness, um, but rather um, interest and uh, hunger. Uh, but I really hope that the 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 back half of this book. Um, Hope that I learned some really new things that I didn't know before, um, because what effectively happened was I studied psychology and people would always ask me, oh, yeah, but what are you using it for? I'm like, well, like I use it every day. I was, I was waiting tables at the time. So usually it would come up in that context, right? They're like, what? What are you doing with your psych degree? Waiting tables, bartending, right? I'm like, well, honestly, I used I used and use that information every single every single day of my life. Um, and that once, when I became a trainer that translated in a way where I made my kind of own connections between, um, behavioral science and personal training. Right. So while I'm by no means the only person who's doing this, I kind of did it, went my own path with that and learned a lot kind of on the fly from my own sources. I didn't really, I didn't have like a, a model to follow. Right. That said, here's the model. So I'm curious to see how my own kind of self-made model is going to match up with this kind of uh, cultivated uh, um, finely tuned system, right? So we'll see. Because right. I think that mine's a cultivated finely tuned system, but I haven't held yep. that up to... I I've, I see that in practice, but I haven't held up to another finely tuned system. And this one's obviously this is a bunch of people in an organization with a lot more knowledge and you know and 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 experience than I do. So if what I've done matches up with this with this naturally, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a, a happy puppy. That said, I'm also gonna be a little bummed because that means I didn't learn as much. So it's kind of <laughs> yeah, we'll see. What, what my guess or my prediction, and obviously you're gonna have to update me when you're done to tell me if my prediction's completely wrong, I don't think you're going to necessarily learn any new psychology principles or mm. things about human behavior. I think it's going to be presented to you in the context of fitness and nutrition mm. in a new way and how to apply it. So I, I don't think like the, the basics of human behavior and talking about these different facets of it, like, I don't know if you've gotten to, they talk about deep health a bunch in there and you'll, mm -hmm. you'll, if you haven't read that, you'll read it a bunch, um, coming up here pretty soon. So I, I think it's not the actual information with human behavior and psychology will be new for you. I just think it's going to be, um, presented to you in a applicable way in fitness and nutrition. That's a little bit more precise versus when you went through studies, you know, not all of it obviously had to directly do with fitness and nutrition. So that'd be my guess. Like, like, for, like I told you, for me, most of the information was pretty new. Almost all of it was pretty new and it, I, I loved it. I just, I don't think the principle principles in there go super deep to where like you haven't heard it, but I, I am curious. So after you're done, you're going to have to like, let me know if that's completely wrong or right. It will be cool though. If like there was some stuff that you didn't know about or that you haven't studied it that'll yeah. be pretty cool uh there's no way that everything is going to be new for you there totally. <laughs> so, yeah i'm yeah. planning on a fair amount of it being review which is actually cool because I, I i'm gonna be down just to kind of bang it out anyway but um i guess really what i what i meant and what i was hoping for is exactly what you just said because yeah i i mean it would be it would be kind of dumb if i learned like the way i said it if I learned something new because I got a four-year degree in this, so it would be dumb if this certificate taught me something that that four-year degree didn't, right? Um, 
And so I guess really as we're talking it out, what you said is exactly what I'm hoping for. And now right. even more excited about saying that, hearing you say that, because that's the only point in terms of functionality and, and practical application, which you guys know is my bag. Um, that's the only point that really makes a difference is to is to make it specific and useful for me to use in a trainer training environment right so um i'm really really jacked on that and to be fair regardless of the specifics of what i've learned all this material is such uh vital pertinent material especially in today's kind of um zeitgeist and kind of our our culture at large that you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's like doing CPR training. You're never going to be like, Oh, I wish I hadn't done CPR training again. You know what I mean? No, if you have to use it, you're going to be like, well, I'm glad I did that, you know, a year and a half ago instead of three and a half years ago. I definitely could have used this course a long time ago. Like if I would have taken that even before I became a trainer, um, that would have been fantastic. Or, you know, when I was a new trainer, it would have made me a lot better, Mm. not just with, the like you know nutrition principles but with being a personal trainer because we've talked about this before one of my biggest mistakes was okay this is how my mind works this is how i view Mm -hmm. and perceive fitness and nutrition this is what i do so why can't this person just do this why can't they just be all in like i i didn't have the ability yet or i didn't understand that other people have different perceptions of fitness and nutrition than I do. Uh, So I think I would have been twice as good of a trainer if I got to, you know, go through this course like a long time ago, or, you know, if I studied like courses like you did in college or something, then that would have been huge. But I think you're going to like it though. And I have a feeling you're going to tell me in like a day or two that you're completely done. (laughs) I know you're going to cruise right through it. I'm excited. I'm very, I've been, been, I I don't remember if I've said this um, specifically on the podcast, uh, but I got, I bought this program three and a half years ago. I think it was, um, the nice thing about this certificate in particular is once you get it, it doesn't expire. You can do it when you want, but at the same time, you don't want to wait too long because it's nutrition and you know, things are happening every day. Right. Um, but yeah, but I, I had gotten it right around a time where if you go back and listen to my intro um, episode, I mentioned that I kind of had a life upheaval and I kind of like all the things that I was used to having in my life kind of flipped and I didn't have those things anymore, like security, basically all the things that come with that. And I realized I had purchased the, the program like a month to, you know, a couple weeks before, um, before all that kind of happened. And so I've been, I've been, I didn't realize I've been thinking about, I was like, why haven't I done it? I think that I just kind of had a bad association with it. And I think for whatever reason, the idea of going back and studying it, like for me was like some way going back to that period of time. Oh, I see. Like there's an association there. Yeah. And I, and it was, it's and even though like I was, I became aware of this at some point and you know, I have logically, I'm like, well, obviously like it's like, I can, I recognize the connection and I'm like, why haven't I done this? Um, and, and having finally broken it open, like so many other things we fear, it's so much less scary. 
it's so much less scary once you shine a little light on it once you look at it once you kind of jump into it and uh you know i have to say um i appreciated having come and kind of are you and i reconnecting specifically regarding this because when i you and i were talking and this was even before we talked about me joining you on the podcast but when you were t- you know, when you told me like oh yeah I, I did the precision uh I, I'm, I'm precision certified i'm a nutrition coach i was like oh all of a sudden it became it, it went from this kind of abstract thing that i was like oh it's like honestly it was like something it was like a monkey on my back that it was like something i had to do you know it was like i purchased this i like i had to do it. it's like i'm not gonna not do it but like i don't want to do it and then you were like oh but i but i did it and all of a sudden that for me that flipped and I don't know what's more pertinent to a podcast that's about fitness than kind of this idea of reframing something that we don't like. Because I had in my head created this whole lore around this uh, cert- certification about how like this is when I lost my last life ended and like, you know, it's just a change into my new life. And it was like, no, dude, this is just a book. Read the book, take the test, yeah. and then we can talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> you know, and I yeah. can take it to my clients. And it's cool too, like you realize very early on precision they're they're not trying to have people fail like they are Mm -hmm. truly trying to have the students like learn and be able to pass because you know i've been some of the schooling i went through is more of like a weeding out process so it's always in my head when i'm studying something new like they're just they just want you to fail and it's just part of the the weeding out process so you know i kind of I'm sure I had a little bit like of anxiety before I started. Like, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready for this crazy like all-in type of approach, and I might fail and waste money and time and all that. But they, they truly seem as though they try to get you to like actually learn and you know pass and everything. So, I agree 100. percent It's it's very geared towards actual learning, not um, regurgitation learning, you know, it's like, they want, you Oh, to good take point. It, right. The, 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 the way that it's taught, I think, and it's, I can't speak to this exactly yet, but I will be able to once I complete it, but it seems to me that they're presenting it in the exact way that they're teaching us to present things. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that is a great point. It's not that they just want you to memorize stuff. They want you to understand stuff. And there's a difference because some of the schooling I went through, mm-hmm. I memorized it far before I understood it. And I don't think that's necessarily the best way to do it, especially if you're in a school setting. Mm-hmm. I think it's better to understand concepts first and actually understand the material than just you know, verbatim memorize stuff. So you're, I completely forgot about that point, you know, how they, they want you to actually digest the information so you can actually mm-hmm. use it in the future. You know what I'm saying? Well, on to that note as well, one of the things I really like about the way that they present that information is that they don't, the questions that they're asking, the questions in, in the, in the workbook, the questions, even on the tests, on the tests, they're not tests with a K on the tests with a T. Um, they are, questions that you have to consider like they're not they're you know sometimes on tests that you've got questions that are like straight up like uh you know they're trying to catch you up and they're trying to trip you up it's like a trick question you know this is like the opposite oh yeah of that. like they're, they're like doing the opposite of that where they're like you know they're like for to give you an example i had um i don't remember what the term was but it was a scientific term where it was just the second half of the word was different the, the entire word was the same except for like two letters at the, at the end and they looked very similar and they tested on it but they did they had 
one question and then the next they had so they said say acetylcholine is xyz and then aceto aceto whatever colite is another thing right so it's easy to mess up i don't even know if acetylcholite's a thing right but but the point is it's a slightly different thing and instead of just having one where you could pick the answer and potentially get it wrong they had both terms with the same set of answers so you knew that oh these are two terms different terms even though they look the same on the test they're like hey guys don't get caught up on this these are two different terms and then they give you the same options so that you're not like whole shit what's they're like two completely different things that you have to go and like figure out what's the difference again and remember it's like okay we can it's they basically lump two questions into one because me as the student and viewer was going to better understand both of those scientific phrases and concepts if they presented it the test that way. So the test itself is being used as a teaching moment as opposed to a moment, like you said, to weed you out or to like, you know, catch you for messing it up. You know what I mean? I, I, I personally do not like tests where there's trickery because yeah. I don't think that has anything to do with how good you are as a student or how much you've studied or even your critical thinking skills. Like totally. so, sometimes the, the tests, it's like they're purposely trying to, to trip you up when in reality that will do nothing to make you better at whatever it is you're studying. And that always really frustrated me. I won't go into details, but you, you were spot on there. That, that always really made me mad. I would just read these questions. And I'm like, what is the point of this? Like, <laughs> You know what I mean? Well, and the funny thing is, especially within academia, and I'd imagine you had this experience going through all of your your fire and medic training and everything, you reach a point where you realize, and you basically just said this, that if you're if you can get through like that brutal period where they're trying to get people out, you're fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? All you really have to do yeah. is get through that period. And then just everything works itself out because you know what I mean? It's like once you once once you're through that rough part you've kind of proven yourself and you can now go on to actually do the learning right so the funny thing is even though it's a really shitty way to kind of you know separate people there is a there is a you know a real life kind of part in that where it's like you know kind of it is what it is right it's i don't know it's it's interesting to me well, I mean, what, what you said that, that is, that is accurate. Um, mm. just for example, in the fire Academy. So we, we had all these different, um, simulations you'd have to pass, right. And mm. the simulations, depending on what it was, would have in your, from, I don't know, 20 to even 40 steps, right. And these steps you would have to not only do physically do them for the proctor, the instructor to see, you'd have to verbalize it as you were going. So it was very black and white. Oh, interesting. So, um, cool. and if you miss one, then it's a, that's a fail. That's how they did it in the fire Academy. Even mm -hmm. if you physically did it, like, for example, if you're doing a search and rescue, but you don't verbalize San Diego fire, uh, here, whatever, whatever the words are, I can't remember. If you don't verbalize that too, then it's an automatic fail. That's how they did it. Mm -hmm. And a part of me that still doesn't understand, I don't have a solution for this either. It's more of just, uh, something I've thought about is, so that's how, the first three months of the fire academy war it's this black and white you do it step by step like this you memorize it and you physically do it exactly how 
we teach you. So a lot of the stuff, and this is also because I feel as though I learn differently than people and not in a good way. Um, <laughs> but so for me, a lot of these things, I didn't really understand the concepts and mm. I struggled like a lot of it. I was good at the black and white memorization um, because for me, that was like, I'll just put in a lot of time to memorize something that, that was completely effort-based, but a lot of the concepts, I don't know why it was just hard for me to understand why we were doing things. And so like, you know, I, I went through everything I passed. And then when we were done with that, it's like the last month of training is like, okay, guys, now we're going to actually teach you how to do this stuff, how we actually do it in the field. So it, it's like, I get what they're mm -hmm. doing. Right. It makes sense. But it's like, small part of me is like, why don't we start that way? Right. Why the, the teaching and even testing process? I know you can make the argument, how are they supposed to test you? And be fair if there's not a black and white scoreboard. Mm -hmm. like, okay, I get it. But it's like, I feel as though you would make better firefighters or whatever it is that someone's studying if from the beginning they're actually teaching you how to do it. That So that's something I, I always like, I still don't know what the, the right answer is like. So PN, Precision Nutrition, they go right into like, you know, of course they give you the science and everything, but they, they actually go into like, this is how you do it, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, th that's what I appreciated about Precision. Oh my gosh, I can't say it today. I can't remember the course that I learned this in, but it was it was one of my higher level courses, and they they definitely I remember distinctly the 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 dot I who I'm pretty sure he was a PhD, and he and he was like he was like angry, he was like mad that like about like how teaching is done because he's like he's like none of us none of us should ever spend one millisecond trying to learn something that isn't the right answer. And in his context mm. was, um, was, was testing, right? Because a lot of times when, when we review tests, we go back and we read all the wrong answers, all the multiple choice. Right. And then we're like, okay, which one was the right one? He was like, literally black out all the wrong answers and only read the one that's the right answer because you only have certain amount of bandwidth to put new things in your brain. Don't put things in your brain that aren't going to benefit you. I, you know, it's, it is interesting. I would be curious to see what somebody who, who kind of ran these types of programs would say about the benefit of running them this way. Cause I'm sure there's something that right. we, as you know, trainers, and I think as people, you and I are pretty independent thinkers and doers, you know what I mean? So I would be curious to see somebody who was kind of running that stuff and what they would say the benefits and how they would address the misgivings that you and I have about that kind of learning. Um, but yeah, I mean, from a psych, from a, you know, psychological standpoint, there's no point in learning information that's not useful because anytime you learn something, it gets burned, you know, it burned path, burns pathways into your brain that stay there. When we forget things, they don't, those pathways don't go away. We just stop connecting to those pathways. So once we learn something, we learn something. So what are we using? You know, it's not like there's some finite amount of space that we have to learn, but like, why are we learning stupid stuff we don't need? Yeah. Like you said, I, I would love to hear someone's opinion on the other side of that. I mm -hmm. am truly curious because one thing I also noticed too, and I'll, I'll admit. So like, you know, I passed, I was successful, but there were some people that didn't pass that I felt overall did a little better than me in the academy. Oh, interesting. And possibly would have even been a better firefighter, at least a entry-level firefighter. In the future, you know, like I have my own learning process and right. it's, you know, after I get time and repetition, it's good. But 
like arguably there have been there's multiple people that I felt like overall did better than I did. But mm. the one thing I was good at was this black and white memorization thing. Mm -hmm. Like memorize, memorize, memorize. Even if I don't understand exactly what I'm doing, memorize. Yeah. And you know, it, it it did work. But I was like, man, this is I don't know if it's right because it's like the it doesn't necessarily it's not that it doesn't produce the the best people for the job, but it eliminates some people that probably should have passed. Sure. You know what I mean? And I would ask other people that would go to, you know, like Los Angeles Fire Departments Academy and other places like that, like, is this how they do it there? Like this black and white and some places a little bit, but ours for whatever reason, that's just how they did it. I, I don't know. Part of my so. understanding from Brian having gone through it, and, and those of you who know our friend Brian, he didn't actually become a firefighter, so I just want to give that context, but he was going through the program. Um, one of the things that I remember was that he, that it seemed like the criteria and the difficulty of getting into various de departments, which as I understand it is just, to get in any department to begin with is, is crazy and hard. But, it's insanity. But apparent from what I remember was that the places like San Diego, where naturally you're going to have more people wanting to go to, that they just basically ramp up the difficulty to get in so much that it's just like basically the only people that get in are people who have connections because there's so many people that want to get in the get in there. And I guess I guess I more said a statement, but I mean it as a question as to you is do you have is that do you have any kind of feeling on that? Is that is that true? Yeah, so. The nepotism thing, nepotism. I would say overall now, mm. modern day isn't as bad. Mm. Um, it still happens, obviously, with human nature. That's always mm -hmm. going to happen. But if where I realized, okay, you know what? Like maybe it's not just nepotism. In my fire academy, so they there was 30 of us that got hired and were selected and paid to go through, right? Mm. That we were, we were city employees. So out of, out of the 30 of us that got selected and, and hired by the department, there wasn't one person, including myself, there wasn't one person that was related to anyone in the department, mm. which I thought was crazy. Mm. Now, to so our department, sure, there's been those situations I can think of in my head that, of course, it's happened. But I think they're trying to be careful of that because years ago los angeles fire department there was a huge lawsuit okay, oh, okay. Uh, with with the, the nepotism thing so gotcha. basically what happened was they noticed out of the i don't know they hired 100 people or 120 people or something like hired a ton of people and like 20 percent or more they were family members of people in the department. And then it got all the way up to the mayor, the city mayor in Los Angeles, and they started doing an investigation, started to notice all the people that were that had family in the department, they got quote unquote special treatment. So what they would do, they would go in the fire stations before they got hired and they get to practice their interview skills mm -hmm. and just get extra help. And then obviously once they actually got to the interview, just their last name, people would know that right. and you know, they would get pushed along. So it sucks for everyone involved because the people that were getting selected, even if they had a family member, it's very likely they could have been the best person for the job because they've been exposed right. to the fire service their whole life. And mm -hmm. they probably put more effort than most people. So sure. I do understand it in that respect. But at the same time, it also is unfair. Like, okay, I don't have a fair shot right. because I don't have a family member in there either. So I, I, 
obviously I'm not going to say their name, but I do personally know people that literally got in there because their um, parents were in the certain departments. I'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. So I have witnessed that, but it got so bad in LA. So th- this part was heartbreaking, right? Mm-hmm. So the mayor out of the 120 or 40 people, whoever, the tons of people that got hired, right? So he decided all of those people basically lost their jobs before they even started and said, this is not a fair process. We need to start over. So I was like, literally like, just say there was 25 people in there that were family members of people in the department, everyone else that wasn't, they lost their job too. Wow. So I literally, I know people My so, um, she actually was on the podcast a long time ago before we switched over to fitness. So Sierra, I don't know if you remember, she was my old um, coworker. We both worked in recruitment together. So before she got hired on by San Diego Fire, she was in that group of people that got hired by Los Angeles Fire Department. And then um, the mayor said, nope, and everyone lost their job. So she wow. was one of the people that lost her job before it even started because of the unfair process. So I, I actually completely understand both sides right uh, a lot of people got screwed over essentially that sucks. yeah <laughs> yeah that really so, sucks yeah interesting and, and then now to um this is a whole nother conversation it, just with fairness and everything to like los angeles they like they base who can even so it's a whole process getting hired before you actually go to the academy. Like you have to apply and then take a written test and do interviews and it's this whole you know whatever and to even be invited to take the written test it's based on your ethnicity so they allow only i i'm making these numbers up so just Mm. you'll understand the point but so they're they're only um 30 or 40 percent people can be caucasian and be allowed to even take the written test and then 60 percent have to be hispanic and so anyways there's all these things that they're trying to create for fairness whether it's ethnicity or not having nepotism and all the stuff. And it's just like, it, it, it gets very messy yeah. in all the details of that. But out of all the departments, I would say San Diego, they seem to do a better job than some when mm. it came, when it came to nepotism and other things like that, they're not perfect by, by any means, but they, they did always say like, we like to hire on character, not just your, your, resume which is also interesting like all the academies you would see all types of people like there's navy seals in the academy there's professional firefighters that were from other departments Mm -hmm. and then there's some people zero fire experience they just had the minimum um, qualifications but did great on their interview so san diego seemed to do pretty good with that and not just basing hiring someone on you know nepotism or just the resume but like the the character of the person nice. so um but yeah that's a whole nother conversation but i i just feel bad for all those people that lost their job before it even started man that's insane i mean it's crazy that sometimes like the solution causes so much damage you know hopefully that hopefully the sacrifice that all those people ultimately had to make of losing their new careers hopefully that led to actual new balance in the, in the system, but who knows, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I, I literally don't know. I was just like blown away with all that stuff. And it's like, I don't even know what is fair, you know, at that point. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't even know the answer. We've talked about it um, in the sense of, um, I, I lost my train of thought. I, I, I actually I looked up at the screen and um, 
there's some funny stuff up on the screen. So somebody asked, uh, one of our live viewers asked, uh, what do I do if there's a poopy in my pants? Oh my gosh. So that's not a fitness question. So we're not going to answer that. <laughs> so just to be fair, and this is for our, our uh, Spotify and Apple listeners too. We won't normally stop to um, address a, a live viewer, um, but I saw poopy in my pants and that was done for me. <laughs> Dang. Well, speaking of that, maybe we should move into our fitness focus section because we can talk about all this stuff all day long. So let, let's move along. Great question, um, whoever was that asked that, but we're going to move on to a little bit more related to fitness and nutrition. And speaking of all the nutrition talk that we had earlier, that's what we're going to talk about today for our fitness focus section. And the first question that Clayton and I are going to go over is why so many people fail when they are dieting. So we're gonna go over just a, a few big ones. There's hundreds of reasons for this, but we're gonna go over just some of the big ones. And I wanna bring up one thing that I have seen recently. And this idea, I didn't think about it. I heard someone else say it, and it made me think how true it is. And, and a new thing people are saying is diets don't work, like this general term. And I think when people say diets don't work, that is such a general thing to say and right. normally that's not true. If you're trying to lose fat, no matter what quote unquote diet you pick, if you're in a calorie deficit, you are going to lose weight. So it's not that they don't work. It's the the problem is sustainability. Yeah. So technically, you could do any of these crazy diets that we talk, you know, a little bit of smack mm. against. And if if you sustain it and do it and you adhere to it, then you're going to lose weight and quote unquote you would be successful in that sense. But with that being said, let's still go into some of the main reasons. So I'm going to start with number one, and that is fad diets. So it's unfortunate, and this is the fitness industry is to blame here. Um, it seems every couple of years there is a new popular fad diet. Most of the time what it does is eliminate a bunch of uh, food groups or macronutrients, and they try to bring up points such as this is the healthiest way to eat and the easiest way to lose fat. And they, they always kind of present it to you like it's easy, easy, easy. Hmm. And for whatever reason, you know, for people fall for these different fad diets. Now, here's the, the main problem with fad diets. Now, for one, I'll bring up popular one now is, uh, you know, the carnivore diet, which is where you essentially just eat meat and that's it. So from a logical standpoint, I have an issue when any of these quote unquote diets all say you can't eat fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Like to, to me that that's an immediate red flag telling, you know, 99% of human beings that would do great eating plenty of fruits and vegetables saying that they can't. So I have a huge problem with that. But besides that, the, the part of it being a fad diet, most of the time you are not setting yourself up for something that is sustainable. And the question that you should always ask yourself, okay, if you are following a diet, I hate even saying that following a diet, <laughs> right? it should just it's, be, it, it yeah. should just be nutrition, whatever. Yeah. Um, but if Eating. you are going to start <laughs> a diet and in your head, the diet you're going to start, there's a point that you're eventually going to stop that diet. At that point, that is a fad diet, because once you stop, you're going to gain your weight back. Now, so if, if that makes any sense at all, the point I'm trying to make, here's the question to ask yourself before 
if you do decide to start a diet or if you start to eat in a better way. And that is, can I see myself doing this for the rest of my life? Yeah. Now, the Good the question. situations where you don't need to ask that, if you're like a physique competitor, so a bodybuilder, right. if you are any athlete where it is weight-based yeah, or there's weight. different weight classes, I'm not talking to you. Obviously, those are, are different scenarios. But if you are someone that goes to the gym for, for health and likes to be healthy and to work out and to eat decently – the, these fad diets, really think about it, guys. Are, are you going to do that for the rest of your life? The the carnivore diet, the the, the keto diet, mm, the, keto. there's hundreds of them. Yeah, Is that going to happen? And I'm telling you, most of the time, it's not. And yeah. it, it, it really sucks that how the fitness industry presents this to, to all of us is do this. This is the easy way. Right. Do do this. It's very enticing, especially, you know, th think Clay, like someone, if they've been trying to lose weight for a long time and they're, you know, feeling pretty down on themselves for that and don't know what to do, like, oh my gosh, if I do the keto diet, I'm going to lose, you know, 20 pounds in a month or something like that. So I, I right. would say that is one of the, the biggest issues and th these go hand in hand, fat diets that, and not being sustainable. Those are kind of you know, two on the same coin there. So the reason, the reason why, and Jake, you touched on this. The reason why fad diets work is because, um, there's one consistent, let me rephrase the reason why fad diets work um, in the short term is because there's one consistent element for all of them. And that is that when we are participating in a diet plan or whatever we want to call it, that we are being more thoughtful, more present, more um, intentional about the food that we're intaking. Because when we're not, most of us, when we're not doing a quote unquote diet, we're just kind of eating and we're basically victims of our urges to eat of our biological urges. Right. Um, a lot of us. Um, so question is why are these such a big thing? They're such a big thing is because they work in the short term and they work in the short term because while you're doing that fad diet, you are very consciously thinking about what you're eating. I repeated that for very, for per, the reason why I repeated that is because that is the value to me as a personal trainer. That's the value. That's it. Everything else, everything else surrounding fad diets is you can throw away. The one value of that is that you're thoughtful and intentional about what you're eating. And when you're thoughtful and intentional about what you're eating, you're going to have results that are based on that. The way that you do that, the way that you're thoughtful and intentional, especially if you have a purpose that you're trying to work towards, is largely semantic. It's largely details. It's here's where it comes in. Here's where it comes back to the right answer being the right answer that's right for you. When you're talking about bad diets, a lot of times you're talking about, like Jake said, eliminating something. Well, let's say that you're eliminating something that you really love. Are you going to say we, we're limiting, say, Jake, you brought up fruit. Say we're limiting apples, but you really love apples. Are you going to not eat apples the rest of your life if you really love them? And if so, what's the point? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, for me, I want to live my life and be healthier so I can eat those apples that I want to eat. Yeah, absolutely. I, just the, the restricting of things like like that, it's just most of the time it's completely, you know, not called for. Yeah. And uh, next point here 
is not focusing on behaviors as much. Yeah. So th this is really big. So when you, you follow these fad diets, go back to carnivore or keto and you're told just eat this. Okay. So that's not necessarily learning about your behaviors that caused you to possibly gain weight in the first place. Now, let me give you a specific example. Here's a very common one that most of us have probably done at some point in our life. So say every day you come home from work, right? You um, get ready to hang out with the family. You sit down on the couch and you notice every time you sit down on the couch and put Netflix on, all of a sudden something in your brain is triggered. You go up and you start eating ice cream. So after a while, your brain starts pairing. I'm sitting on the couch eating Netflix, so I'm going to go get ice cream. So a behavior change, so you could focus on, okay, how can I not necessarily eat tons of ice cream right. every night when I sit down on the couch with my family to watch Netflix? So there's different ways you can go about it, but just knowing that you do that, that's the first step, being aware mm -hmm. that you're doing that every night and you're being triggered from sitting on the couch and watching Netflix and now you want your ice cream. So you could try, you know, a multitude of different things to combat this. It could be, okay, every night, instead of eating tons of ice cream, when I'm hungry, when I sit down on the couch, I'm going to go instead get something with a little bit less calories that's maybe more satiated and like you said, Clay, an apple, whatever it is. Or it can be, you know what, maybe I'm not even hungry. Maybe every time I sit down on the couch, I'm going to get water or something to drink instead. Mm -hmm. So the behavior aspect, one. when you're looking at optimizing your nutrition long term, the behaviors that you change for the better, that is going to be the way that you're going to be able to sustain that for life. And if you're just following a diet that's telling you exactly what to eat and doesn't talk about behaviors, it probably doesn't set you up best for the long term. Agreed. And moving on to the last point for why people fail when they're dieting is <laughs> severely restricting calories. I don't even know where it came from. It's like almost a joke now. Like women are supposed to eat 1,200 calories a day when they're dieting. I don't even know where that number 1,200 came from. From somebody's but I, butthole. Yeah, seriously. But so it's like 1,200 calories a day. So you're severely restricting calories and it goes back to, okay, are you going to be able to sustain this? Most people, what's going to happen, you're going to be very successful in the short term with losing weight. Right. If you eat 1200 calories a day, most people, yeah. that would cause you to lose you're a lot of weight. weight. I, would, <laughs> I would lose probably a hundred pounds in yeah. a week if yeah. I did. <laughs> if you stop eating food, you're going to lose weight. I know. You seriously. Know? <laughs> so the, this severely restricting calories, um, and this I've seen a lot with certain companies that promote their magical weight loss powders, right, you know, yeah. that have a hundred calories in it and they're telling you, or 200 calories in it, and they're telling you to replace two meals a day with these shakes that are one or 200 calories or whatever they are. And again, we have to go back to, to thinking about this. Are you really going to do this for life? Right. Two times a day for your life, are you going to drink this 200 calorie powder or one day are you going to realize, okay, there's no way I can keep doing this. Yeah. Uh, so the, the severe restriction there also, it, it does seem somewhat timed or excuse me, tied to people even binge eating. If you severely sure. restrict that much, you could to this point where all of a sudden you eat a bite of some highly palatable food, you know, say cookies or ice cream or whatever it is, it doesn't yep. matter. And then all of a sudden you feel like you can't stop. I feel <sighs> like you're, you're setting yourself up to do that when you severely restrict. And I heard this yeah. very 
general advice the other day, which I, I thought was great. It's, it's, it's general. It's not person specific, but uh, take it for what it is. So I heard this the other day. If you are looking to lose any significant amount of weight, whether that is, you know, 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 40 pounds, whatever it is, plan on it taking a year. Now, the, the year, there's nothing magical about that. But the point he was trying to make, which I really, really liked, is if you had a whole year to lose 20 pounds, that is plenty of time. So that whole year, you don't have to obsess about being so calorie restricted the whole time and just being hungry and starving the whole time, you can focus more on very small behavior changes over time that you're going to be able to sustain past that year. So don't take that year as, you know, exact advice, but I did like the the point where that he brought up, just slow down, just improve yeah. your behavior slowly over time, something that you can stick to and you'll be successful uh, one day. And then one thing I did want to point out too, I think it's funny now, like modern day, if someone eats healthy, then it's considered dieting. I, I don't know why. Yeah, I just ridiculous. think that's funny. Like someone eats vegetables with a meal and it means they're dieting all of a sudden. Yeah. And it really leads us to a really another, an important point, which is nutrient density. And it's an important thing to consider when we're talking about restricted diet versus uh, what I like to recommend to my clients, which is um, kind of the opposite of a restricted diet, right? Um, I recommend, you know, there's different situations and, you know, I would recommend different things, to different people, but general rule of thumb, I recommend to people don't take anything out of your diet, add in nutrient dense Love that. foods. And the reason why is because when we remove something from our diet and especially usually it's going to be something that we have some kind of emotional connection to, it's going to be ice cream or one of the things that we talked about cookies, you know, there's an emotional component to these. So if we're eliminating them, we're challenging our psyche to now go without one of the things that it feels like it needs as opposed to what I like to recommend, which is if you add nutrient density into your nutrition, into your overall diet, what you're going to do is first of all, you're not going to, you're not going to be missing anything. You're not going to be challenging yourself to like, you know, go out, go without something you love, which first of all, that's his own whole own value. But what also happens is, our body, especially if we're used to eating fairly nutrients, uh, um, foods that have low nutrient density, um, our body are, is going to take that those nutrients, those vitamins, those minerals, whatever, whatever, maybe some macronutrients that you're missing out of, whatever it is, it's going to take those and say, oh, I want that. That's good. That's good stuff. Especially if you make some kind of habit of adding that nutrient density in. And so what's going to happen naturally over time is if you continue to eat these nutrient-dense foods and you eat the you know less nutrient-dense stuff, your body is naturally going to start craving that nutrient-dense food over, say, the French fries that have all the nutrition fried out because they're overcooked, right? So um, not to not to go off on French fries because that's the whole thing. Potatoes have totally their own value, but you know you can deep fry the, a lot of the nutritional value out of it, but that's its own whole own conversation that I'm not trying to get into. The idea of what I'm saying is when we're talking about restrictive diet, or let me even take a step back. When we're talking about changing our bodies in a long-term sustainable way, it doesn't do us much good to just start taking things out. What Because what we want to, what we're going to have to do is we're just going to leave a void. So what we do is we put what I like to recommend again is I, I like to put something into that space so that when you eventually remove that element, that, that those fried out 
you know, uh, French fries or, you know, some candy you want to eliminate from your diet, when you remove it, your body is in your body and your brain aren't going to be like, oh, we don't have anything now. It's going to be like, okay, now what we want is that apple. Yeah. And the the psychology behind that is fascinating too. What you just said, don't eliminate, just add something first. Mm -hmm. Because in in the back of your mind, if you know that you can eat that if you want, it sets you up for success. Just knowing you can eat it if you really want to. So that that is fantastic advice. And that actually is going to be carried over into the second uh, topic uh, for Fitness Focus today, which is tips to feel more full. So we'll start with what Clayton was just saying, because this is one of uh, the tips we have here. And that is eating nutrient-dense, high-volume foods. And these will always make you feel more full than eating something that's highly processed, such as candy. You know, there's nothing wrong if you enjoy candy, That's not what I'm saying, but the point being, when we eat these high volume nutrient dense foods, it is going to make us feel more full. I love the example. um, I can't remember the exact amount of calories, but uh, a medium to large size watermelon is something like, I don't know, I'll have to double check this after I'm probably gonna be wrong. It's a little over a thousand calories or something. So imagine you can eat this entire watermelon and it would be about a thousand calories can you imagine you'd probably be pretty full if you ate an entire watermelon now if you were going to eat a thousand calories from we'll say potato chips that one uh, that's an easy one right there you could eat a thousand calories of potato chips and not even feel somewhat satiated you wouldn't feel full you just would want more so that is uh, something to keep in mind when we're trying to feel more full is find these foods that are micronutrient dense and high volume. That's also why you'll see a general recommendation with people um, that are trying to lose body fat, trying to eat salad. Um, Part of the reason is the amount of plant that you can eat is so, the volume Mm -hmm. is so much, it will assist you with feeling more full. Or, Or imagine eating like say, even not, I don't enjoy doing this, but raw broccoli, how full you would feel for me. Uh, no, imagine eat, trying just, to eat 200 calories of raw broccoli, right. how full you'd feel. You oh know what I'm God. saying? I don't even want to, yeah. I like, and that's one of the things that we often don't think about until we're actually in the midst of changing our diet. But when we start transitioning to those nutrient dense foods like raw broccoli, partly typically, part, t- typically those foods are hard require more mastication <laughs> you you have to chew it more mm-hmm. yes so you yes. get also great point get tired point. of sitting there eating you know what i mean yep. so it's like with these other foods it's like it's so easy to eat and there's so little there's so little nutrients in them that we're just like rom 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 keep putting in my face but as soon as we have you know um you know a, a, a plate of celery and you know spinach we're like halfway through it and we're like are we done yet? And the funny thing is when we're halfway through that, probably your stomach is already like, yeah, I'm full. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. Yep. And so Clayton just said it there too. And that is moving on to our next point. I love that he already brought that up. And that is slowly chewing your food. Mm. Now I will admit this one is very challenging. <laughs> you know, I, I go through periods um, where I want to do this for, uh, you know, a bunch of different reasons. One, since I was a little kid, I always ate my food really fast. It was like a, a race almost, you know, I would almost <laughs> inhale my food. Uh, but for, you know, a multitude of reasons, there's times I really try to sit there and be mindful and chew my food completely. So just like Clayton was saying too, when you get food, like I, I'm not promoting that you have to eat raw broccoli all the time, nothing like that. <laughs> but if, if you ate foods like that and you chew your food completely, you are going to get sick of chewing for one. Mm. But the other cool thing it does when you really chew your food 
is that, that hunger hormone, which is ghrelin, which, you know, when your stomach is growling and you feel really hungry and want food, it helps to suppress that a little bit. So if you take longer to eat, you actually give your body a chance to feel full. If you inhale three cheeseburgers in a row and you don't, you basically don't chew, you're going to all of a sudden go from starving to, to now you feel sick. It go There's like no in-between stage. So very much so when you are sitting down, thoroughly chew your food. And we've talked about this on the show before, and this number isn't important more than just understanding what I'm saying, but try to chew your food at least 30 or 40 times and see what that does for you. Whatever it is that you're eating, chew it 30 or 40 times. And there was some cool study too, where people chewed their food twice as much as their counterpart in the study. And they ended up consuming about 15 or 20% less calories uh, during that time period, just by chewing their food a little bit, you know, slower. Makes a lot of sense. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. Yep. And then uh, number three for you guys, tips for feeling more full. And this one may be the most important. So it being number three doesn't mean it's the least. And this is protein consumption. Now, we've talked about this as well, uh, how protein is the most satiating macronutrient. And that alone is going to make you feel so much more full. Now, let's take, we'll take 200 grams of, we'll say chicken, okay, versus, um, two, sorry, 200 grams of protein. Uh, what am I talking about? Okay, I'm so sorry. 200 calories. <laughs> From chicken, Sound okay, like over there. as your protein source. I know I'm having a seizure or something. Two, so you eat 200 calories of chicken. Okay, so that's your main protein source. Now we take a, say, whey protein shake and have 200 calories. Which one is going to make you feel more full? Really think about it. The chicken is going to make you feel so much more full. Mm -hmm. So if you are someone that is trying to lose body fat um, and you're dieting or whatever, I think it's smart that we try to stay away from things that we don't chew mm -hmm. and just, you know, drinking most of our calories because a couple hundred calories from a protein shake versus say chicken, um, it's going to feel completely different. So the protein consumption is going to make you feel a lot more full. Did you have any, uh, anything to add to that one? I was just gonna say, it's funny that we're talking about this because literally just the other day I was making myself my, my, you know, my protein shake and I've got, you know, my bananas, strawberries, I've got some spinach I'm throwing there or whatever, you know, I have cashew butter. It's all this stuff that is hella good on its own. And I was like, dude, I'm so dumb. <laughs> like I'm sitting here throwing this all into a blender so it can chew it all for me. So I was just like, just yesterday, yesterday or the day before I was thinking to myself, you know, if I'm really, if I'm really going to put rubber to the road as a a nutrition coach or soon to be nutrition coach and trainer i'm i would take all this food that i'm throwing into the blender i'd let it defrost and i'd chew it so i think i'm gonna do it just to like just to, for science you know what i mean just kind of just to see yeah just to see for myself because i know i know we, we're talking about it right we i know we we all know what's gonna happen is i'm exactly what we're talking about is gonna happen i'm gonna I'm going to be like, I'm going to be chewing. I'm going to be like, okay, I'm kind of done doing this, you know, or, you know, I'm going to get tired of it. And, or it's also probably going to sit around in my stomach a little bit longer because they're bigger chunks instead of there are, you know, they're all, all chopped down. Right. So it's going to sit in your, in your belly longer. This is interesting. Something to think about even as Jake and I, who are, you know, do this professionally and are obviously, you know, um, passionate about it too and interested in it. Like I'm still at this point where like, yeah, I could just not blend my stuff and that'd be better. Cause I'm always the guy who's like, 
whenever people juice, like I'm the one who's like my, my Ace Ventura butt detective starts coming out. I'm like, and I like start wanting to be the trainer who like says things that nobody wants to hear, you know? Oh, right. And, yeah. and like, cause every time someone's juicing, I'm like, oh yeah, did you want to just throw away all that great fiber that you were going to get in yeah. your, in your stomach? But you know, it's none of my business and you know, juicing has benefits for people who want the specific benefits that come from it, which is a whole other thing. And, I you mean I'm, spending a lot of wasted money? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Benefit. I'm trying to dance around the fact that I think that juicing is worthless, but you know, somebody's there's worth for it for somebody somewhere. I'm just saying, for me, and in the context of what we're what we're talking about, why would you? We have a habit of trying to make things easier, but when we make things easier, we we rob ourselves of the opportunity to adapt to that challenge. And so when we're talking about fitness or we're talking about even food, like our body, that's a challenge. Our body has to digest that food. We are, we are, we are, we are robbing our body of the chance to learn how to digest that food. Granted, I'm not going off a tangent saying that your body needs to learn how to do this. Your body's going to adapt. Your body will be fine. Your, your body will be fine, but we lose the more important thing in this conversation is that we lose the opportunity to question for ourselves what is the best course of action to further whatever goal I'm trying to reach. Absolutely. And uh, for the Q&A today, uh, we have the question of what is the best diet for an active lifestyle? And I want to start this off by saying a few things. So the, the first big one here. It is very person or individually dependent on the person. So how I might be able to um, optimize my nutrition might be a little bit different than Clayton, might yep. be a little bit different from you. So everyone, there's going to be a little variance from person to person. So keep that in mind. And another point that I did want to make, if you're someone that is dieting and you're doing so for fat loss, you do want to set yourself up to where it doesn't feel super challenging, but there, at the end of the day, there does have to be some type of cognitive restraint in place. Right. I know it's hard to hear, but it's the truth. There has to be a little bit of cogn cognitive restraint, excuse me. So with that being said, the first thing I would say is what feels easiest to you mm -hmm. that will give you results. Mm -hmm. Now, from what I have personally observed, the people that seem to do best with their nutrition over a lifetime, like I said, this is my observation, is people that don't restrict severely mm. and are somewhat flexible. So mm -hmm. what I mean is, you know, most of their nutrition consists of whole foods, but they have, you know, those certain foods that they, they really enjoy. Uh, whether again, that's ice cream or pizza, any of those types of foods that a lot of us enjoy, and they don't completely restrict those. They just eat them in moderation. Mm. And to me, finding a way that feels easiest to you where you can still get results, whatever that is, but it isn't so severely restricting. So you're a little bit flexible to me, that seems to work for most people instead of following something that is severely restricting. Yeah, you know, we come back to this point over and over again, um, regardless of what scientifically may be the best thing to build this particular thing or grow you this way. Uh, none of it really means anything unless you can apply it in your own life. So when it comes to what Jake just said about 
feels the easiest i would phrase for myself what do you enjoy right so what do you enjoy eating what what um, it's the same it's the same question but the the purpose of asking that question is to say i'm not going to want so i might be able to eat chicken and broccoli right broccoli is getting a bad rap today i might be able to eat chicken and um spinach for you know for six days but on that seventh day i might i might want to eat cardboard more than i want to eat that chicken and broccoli so forcing myself to eat that chicken and broccoli on day seven if it's gonna further exacerbate that feeling isn't gonna do any good for you know making that work for me on day 14 right because if if day 14 we're so so tired of it that we're just gonna go out and get a get a burger and fries then what you know we've lost the whole purpose to begin with right so um this concept comes to me a lot as a trainer when people get sick or hurt right people would get the idea that um if they don't train for a week because they're sick that they're backtracking um, and it's the same thing that we, the same concept that we talk about with food that when we talk about eating things that you like in, because we, I mean, I'm trying to get heady about this. Basically it's real simple. If you like things that you do and like things you eat, you're going to do it more. Forget about everything else. And that reminded me too of something that was so simple yet so profound that uh, my little sister said it must have been two years ago. And it's really funny. I mean, she, she's she been fit, you know, her whole life and works out and, and all that. She, she doesn't, you know, she's not in the fitness industry or anything, um, but just, you know, e- eats good and, you know, likes to exercise. But what she said, it made it so simple. And I started to realize that it, so many people could use that advice and be successful. And so I remember I was hanging out with her and I was venting about like, how why do so many people do the keto diet it's so stupid right. and oh, so i was just complaining probably oh, just we should, whining we should or have a rant about that at the end of this i know seriously so yeah I, I was just talking about like why do so many people get lured into doing these different things and by and then she literally said you know what i think so many people could benefit if they just eat really balanced oh, and then God, enjoy right. food that they like sometimes so her that's big it. thing was like that's it done uh, yeah She's like, I eat three or four times a day. Normally it's, you know, mostly whole foods. And then, you know, once or twice a week, I'll have my, um, I can't remember if she said a slice of pizza, whatever she said, but literally just like, just eat balanced. Yeah. That's it. And, and eat foods, foods you enjoy in moderation. I'm like, that is so simple. And if people literally follow that simple advice, then we wouldn't be worried about all these different fad diets that people get lured into or these special diet programs that not everyone would necessarily need. So, you know, what that just made me think of is, uh, as Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory or Charlie, <laughs> Charlie and the chocolate factory, I think was the original, right? Um, cause that was the, you know, Charlie bucket or that was the, you know, the one with Gene Wilder and everything, but the whole time, you know, all the, this public, all these kids are coming around like, Oh, we want the candy. Give us the candy. And Willy Walker's like, okay, you might die. And like the, these kids die one off one at a time. I mean, you know, presumably. Right. 
and and he's just like well that's what you asked for right basically right so when yeah. we're talking about this stuff your sister said it perfectly it's like what do we really want do we want to be gustav and go diving in a pool of chocolate yes i do i do want to dive into a pool of chocolate i answered i shouldn't have asked that question because the answer is i really do want to do that <laughs> but the, you know the in the context of this conversation do we want to be gustav or do we want to be charlie Charlie, we he he don't get me wrong, he dabbles and he's even at the end, he's like, Look, I I touched the you know, I touched the soda. But if he if he hadn't if, if him and Grandpa hadn't touched the floating soda, then they would have never known that. Oh man, I lost the metaphor. The idea is that we 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 often miss our goal by getting over exuberant about one thing or another when really the solution while it's not necessarily easy is so simple and it's exactly what your sister said i'm not even why well, you said it eat balanced and you know she's like she's like moderation eat balanced and then eat stuff you enjoy every yeah. once in a while in moderation absolutely and yeah, and so and simple. just because we're we're jake and clayton and and protein <laughs> yeah that's right and protein yep. <laughs> that, that that actually so moving on to the last point that we had for today and that is it and that is protein consumption oh, um, again for yep so that was a perfect setup for that <laughs> so i'm a huge proponent of people consuming protein what i feel like most people most people eat enough to survive but they're not eating enough to thrive and to optimize their active lifestyle this is anyone that is just active all the time like we're talking about now this could be people that are always in the gym this can be athletes i feel generally speaking every person most people excuse me don't eat enough protein we need protein um, to maintain our muscle tissue or build our muscle tissue we need it for our immune system there's all these benefits that will help us no matter what our goals are with our nutrition. And most people, they eat on the end range closer toward, I eat just enough to, to live and to not be sick. Mm -hmm. And I, I hear people, you know, really talk crap about the, the general advice that we all hear. Oh, you need to eat one gram of protein per pound of body weight every day. And I've heard people bash on that. And I, I understand where people are coming from, but I feel like if someone even stuck to that general advice or ate somewhere in that ballpark and had an active lifestyle, they would feel so much better and they would thrive and be able to reach their goals. So if you're someone that's uh, consuming, you know, 30, 40, 50 grams of protein a day, and that's it, kind of part of the standard American diet where tons of processed foods, lower on the protein than high with carbohydrates and fats, you are going to most likely feel a lot better and thrive if we eat a little bit more protein. Now, I don't want to go out there and say every one of you has to have that one gram of protein per pound of body weight. That is something that I've tried to do for years, and I've noticed when I do that, not only do I perform better in life and in the gym, but I feel better too. Um, so if you're one of the people that literally eats 30 grams of protein a day, don't, you know, uh, <laughs> increase your protein intake tenfold, do it in small doses, but eat a little bit more and see how you feel. I could promise you it's going to make you feel a little bit better. So huge proponent for the protein consumption. It also might make you fart a little bit. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> especially pro some protein powders. I've, a lot of people have problems with that, especially whey protein. I just want an excuse to bring up farting. How often yeah. do you get to be like, and farts? <laughs> I saw how happy you got when you said that. That's just like, the, yep, I, I saw it. You started smiling like before you even said it. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, we, 
hope you enjoyed uh, the episode today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to our show. And if you can scroll down there on your phone, you're going to see a place where you can rate and review us. So please leave us a rating if you can. It'd be greatly appreciated. You can find us on Instagram at Mission Driven Made. And lastly, we started a free online fitness community and it's called The Forum. Forum. So if you went to Facebook and typed in Mission Driven Made, The Forum, Forum. you're going to see us there. There is all also a link for the form in forum. the show description. So when you get there, what you can do is it's a place for other listeners of the podcast uh, to communicate with each other and start conversations. And it's also somewhere where you can go to ask Clayton or I questions. This can be fitness related. It can be mindset, nutrition, whatever it is. We are there to answer your questions and are happy to do so. And as a reminder, it is completely free. All right, everyone. We hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. And until next time, everyone, stay mission-driven.